Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I am so glad that you have joined us today. If you are a part of our Lighthouse Church family, we would love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Church NC or online at lighthousechurchnc.org. We want to get you plugged into a connect group or on the dream team so that you are doing life together with people just like you. We hope you enjoyed today's message and stay tuned for more announcements at the end of our podcast. Y'all ready for part two of You Asked For It? Now listen, y'all are not playing with me. We're letting you all drive this, the, the sermons for this month, the month of October. We, we did something different, and we said, you tell us what you want Pastor Josh to talk about. And um, I, I kid you not, I told the guys it's going to be a late delivery on the sermon because all week God has just been messing with me on this topic, and it's something that I'm excited to share, but it's no doubt a challenge. But I thank you for challenging me and stretching me because we're going to talk about the sovereignty of God. And you might be wondering what in the world is sovereignty. Sovereignty. That's exactly why we're talking about it, okay? Um, but someone asked the question, and so today we are going to dig in. Are y'all ready? All right, let's do this. Let's read a couple of scriptures, and then we're going to pray together, and then we'll get started. We're going to go all the way to Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 32. If you have your Bibles, get there. And um, if you want to follow along, we're going to have the verses on the screens. It's uh, just two scriptures in Jeremiah, chapter 32, verse 16 and verse 17. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It reads as follows. Then after I had given the papers to Baruch, I prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and earth by your great power. Nothing is too hard for you. I want to talk to you about this question. Is God in control? Is God in control? And I know sometimes that's our go-to question when catastrophe happens. Where is your God? If God is so good, why did this happen? If God is in control, why did these people have to be affected by this, this tragedy? Why did this person have to die because of this sickness? Is God in control? That's a tough question that you guys wanted me to answer today. So we're talking about the sovereignty of God, and that's my thought for the next few moments. Now, do me a favor. Can we just pray one more time together? We're going to pray, and then we're going to get right into what God has for us. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all the incredible things that are already happening here today. I thank you, God, as you've joined us in worship and you've met us here. But now, Father, we just pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to receive your word. Pray, Father, that you would speak through me, that these words would not be mine, Father, and that your spirit would do a work, Lord, that only you can do. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Clap your hands one last time as you are seated is God really in control and so today we're tackling that big question the question of God's sovereignty is God really sovereign and when someone asks the question is God sovereign they're asking that question is he the supreme ruler is there anyone else above him I'm sorry can we just turn up the lights just a little bit in here I, I see nothing but a lot of dark faces out there so I want to bring it up just a minute because I need to know if you're awake tracking with me and hopefully you guys can uh, give me that feedback that we're actually making sense so is there anyone else above God is he a supreme ruler is God sovereign and 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 God just kept bringing me right back to this passage of scripture and Jeremiah 32 and and so um I, what I want to do is we, we read this 
prayer where, where Jeremiah says, God, you are sovereign. But what I want to do is reverse engineer. How did we get here? How did we get to this point where Jeremiah said, oh, God, you are sovereign? So anybody know what I'm talking about when I say reverse engineer something? I want to go back a little bit, and I want to know what were the events that led us up to this. And so in Jeremiah chapter 32, this is where we're going to start, we find Jeremiah um, in prison. And, and, and we find him in prison because Jeremiah was a prophet. A prophet is someone who would hear from God and tell it to the people. Now, now um, everybody wants to hear from God when it's good news, right? Everybody wants to hear from God when he's giving you the new car. And everyone wants to hear from God when he's giving you the new home. Everybody wants to hear from God when he's giving you the new girl. Uh, everybody wants to hear from God when the blessings are coming. Nobody wants to hear from God when it's not what you want to hear. And, um, and, and the, the challenge is, is that as Christians, we think that God's always going to do what we ask him to do. Um, and if God always did everything that we wanted him to do, then really you'd be in charge and not God. And so he's there. He's above all or he's not above all. And so Jeremiah's in prison. But the, the, the reason he's in prison as someone that heard from God and, and said what God told him to say is because he would say things that the king at the time, the king of Israel, King Zedekiah, was like, yo, I don't want to hear that. And, and can't you just tell me something that I want to hear? And Jeremiah's like, no, I cannot tell you what you want to hear. I have to tell you what God is telling me to tell you. And so King Zedekiah told him, well, if you keep telling me bad news, I'm going to put you in prison. And Jeremiah said, I'm going to keep saying what God tells me to say. And so Jeremiah 32 starts in this place where Jeremiah is in prison because he believed that God was above all. And that's the first thing that I want you to write down. God is sovereign because he is above all. God is sovereign because he is above all. Someone or something is going to be the ultimate authority in your life. It goes for every single person in this world. Someone or something is going to be the ultimate authority in your life. Jeremiah, though he was underneath the king, the ultimate authority in his life was God. Jehovah. And so even though the king didn't want to hear from him, he knew that there was someone higher than the king. And there was an ultimate authority that Jeremiah held himself submitted to. I want to ask you that question. Who is the ultimate authority in your life? Who are you submitting to? Because there are a lot of people that want to say that they are the ultimate authority in their life. I am my ultimate authority. I do what I want to do. I answer to no one. And that's a dangerous place to be because I can tell you that I'm not good enough to be the ultimate authority in my life. And the people that want to be their own ultimate authority will pretend like they are flawless. I don't want to be the ultimate authority in my life because I know my shortcomings. And if you were honest with yourself, you would know your, you know your shortcomings too. I know I spend too much. I know I eat too much. I know that I can be undisciplined. I know that I can binge watch an episode on Netflix. I know that I can, I have this propensity to do things when left unchecked. I don't like who I am. So therefore, I choose not to be the ultimate authority in my life. I choose to submit myself to something. And that's just one example. Now, there are many people that say, I am the ultimate authority. And I push back on that because you know yourself. And if you're honest with yourself, you shouldn't be the ultimate authority in your life. 
You shouldn't be the ultimate authority in your life. So who is the ultimate authority? Is it our government? Should the government be the ultimate authority in our life? Some people put way too much power and authority on the government. Now, we are underneath the government. They are not the ultimate authority, but we are underneath the government. No one in here should be trying to break the laws for fun, right? I mean, we, we are underneath the government. But, but it's ultimately not the ultimate authority in my life because it's ran by individuals who are flawed. And it's ran by people who get it wrong. And so when they get it right or whether they get it wrong, either way that it goes, I know that God is still my ultimate authority. So who is the ultimate authority and what does the scripture say about him? Jeremiah said that God is my ultimate authority. And so even though King Zedekiah early on in chapter 32 says, look, keep on prophesying. I'm going to put you in jail. Jeremiah is like, I'll prophesy in jail. And, and so that's exactly where we find him. Isaiah 57, 15, let me get the scriptures up for you all. It says, the high and the lofty one who inhabits eternity, the holy one says this, I live in that high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. What, 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 the, what the writer was saying is God lives in that high and holy place. God lives in that place that's above all others. God lives in that place where he is above all. And, and that has to be your view of God. That has to be your perception of God, that God is over all, and I, I, I choose to make him over all, and I, choose to, and I choose to make him the object of my worship. Because whatever is the ultimate authority of your life, you'll find it evidenced in what you worship. Whatever you worship is what you are giving authority to. Whatever you, decide to, whatever you decide to invest your time and your treasure in is what you give your authority to. You see, we all worship something. And if you think you're not worshiping something, let me see your bank account and I'll tell you what you're worshiping. Because it's always connected to your giving. It always is. I know it's really quiet in here. Hey, you pick the topic, all right? Y'all wanted to talk about this, so we're going to talk about it. And so... We all worship something, but, but we who have followed Jesus, we who have made this decision to make him Lord of our life, we now say that, that, that he is high above. He is high above everything. And, and, and the reason I can make that declaration, it has nothing to do with the fact that this was the faith that was handed to me. It has everything to do with the faith that I have found for myself. All of us are on a personal journey, and you all have to get to this place where you need to reconcile your faith and ask yourself, who is the ultimate authority in my life? But I've read my Bible, and I found someone who is better than me. I said, I've read my Bible, and I have found someone who is greater than me. I read the stories about a man who spoke with authority and lived in such a way that everybody wanted to gravitate towards him. He was so full of love that nobody could understand him. The religious people hated him because he was a friend of sinners, and he loved me so much that he spared no expense to redeem me and to reconcile me back to himself. How much Am I worth to him? I was worth enough to him that he would die for me. So I know that he is my ultimate authority. I've put him in this place because I've seen him. I've seen his mind at work. I've seen his heart at work. And he is the person that I most want to be like. That's why he's my ultimate authority. Because if you said, who's the one person you most want to be like? It would be Jesus. God manifest in the flesh when he said, I've got to come down to earth to show you who I am in physical form or else you'll never fully understand me. That's the person I most want to be like. And so I put him in that high 
in that lofty place and I make him sovereign. God is sovereign because he is above all. God is sovereign because he is above all. Now, while Jeremiah is in prison, coming back to the story now, God tells Jeremiah to do something that makes absolutely no sense. He said, Jeremiah, you have a son, and I'm going to paraphrase all of this, but it's in, it's in Jeremiah chapter 32. Your cousin, Hanamel, is going to come by to see you, and Hanamel is getting ready to sell some of his land in Israel, and I want you to buy that land, and I want you to record the transaction, and I want you to seal that transaction, and, and, and this is what I am asking you to do. Now, I don't know about you, but it seems like a really weird thing to do to buy real estate while you're locked up in prison. I mean, talk about God asking him to do something that made absolutely no sense. He's sitting in a prison cell for doing what God asked him to do. And then, and, and, and then God says, hey, Jeremiah, your cousin's going to come and he's going to offer you some land. Buy the land. And, and Jeremiah, you know, the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of his emotions. But it does say this, that eventually Hanamel does come into the prison. And the Bible says this, then Jeremiah knew. Because oftentimes God will tell us something and we don't know all, we don't know right away. Can I just be honest with you all? Sometimes God will speak to me and I'm like, was that God or was that last night's dinner? Like, like, was that the Holy Spirit or was that just watching too much television? What is that thing? And the Bible says that Jeremiah, after receiving that word while in prison for prophesying, he doesn't respond right away. But then when his cousin comes in, he had not talked to his cousin. He had not connected with him. He didn't send him a DM on Instagram and said, hey, yo, God gave me this word. You selling anything? He, none of that happened. And so when his cousin walks into the prison and says, Jeremiah, I'm getting ready to sell my piece of land. But lawfully, you are the first person that I have to offer this land to. That was the, the law at the time that the land must be passed down to family. Lawfully, this land belongs to you. But if you decide not to buy it, I can put it on the open market. And that's when Jeremiah knew that God was working in his life. In that moment, Jeremiah knew that that word that came to him, as trivial as it sounded, as strange as it sounded, Jeremiah knew in that moment that God is sovereign because he is in control. That's the next thing that I want you to write, that he is above all, but God is sovereign because he is in control. And it was demonstrated in how God asked him to do something that made absolutely no sense at the time. And God will do that to you. Make no mistake, this just isn't a cute story in the Bible. This is a story that you should apply to your life and know that there will be times that God will ask you to do something where it seems like it makes absolutely no sense. Has anyone ever been asked by God to do something that was like, really? Like, that's what you're asking me to do? Like, like right now you want me to do that? And yet God will do that to you. And there are many times when those things, if you, if, if you hear God's voice and you step out and do the thing that God has asked you to do in time, everybody say in time. In time it all made sense. And I think a lot of you have lived long enough to live through some of that, where you look back and you wonder, like, why would God ask me to do that? But if you trust him, you see that it all makes sense. Psalms 103 verse 19 reads as follows. The Lord has made the heavens his throne. And from there, he rules everything. From that place, I, like, I get this visual of, of, of him looking down on us. 
and he sees everything. And he doesn't just see present time. The Bible says he's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the ending. He sees the ending from the beginning. And the reason I choose to trust God, even when it doesn't make sense, is because he knows how my story ends. He knows exactly how it will turn out. You see, if you choose to make yourself sovereign, you don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what tomorrow holds. If you choose to put yourself in control and not submit to his ultimate authority, you're saying that I will only do what I feel like I can do. But what if God has something bigger for you? What if God has something better for you? What if God's divine no is connected to a greater door that he wants to lead you through? And so you've got to understand that every time that God says no or every time God shifts you in a direction where you feel like you don't want to know, it might be God's way of showing you that if you put your trust in me, I'm going to show you that I'm in control. And I like knowing that God's in control. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in control of my own life. I I don't want to make my decisions all by myself. If I always did it my way, I would choose the easy way. I would. I would choose the easy way every time. I know there's some people that are gluttons for punishment. I'm like a glutton for cheesecake, okay? So, I mean, if it was always my decision... I wouldn't exercise. If it was always my decision, I wouldn't try to take care of myself. It was always my decision, I wouldn't try to stretch my faith. If it was always my decision, I wouldn't do the thing that seemed hard at the time. But I would trust God through the process. Trust God that he's in control. When I was, um, when I was working, my, my wife had just finished her graduate studies and, and um Right at the tail end of that, I had an opportunity to go back to school to get my graduate degree, and I didn't really feel like it, if I can be honest with you all. I mean, I mean, school is cool, but it's not fun. I know some of you like school, and I understand there are people that are career students, and you want to be a student forever and live at mom and dad's house. God bless you. But that really wasn't my testimony. It's like I was done. I had my bachelor's. I didn't feel like I needed to go any further than that. And, and, and these doors started opening where my company said, you know, if you go into school, we'll pay for it outright. And, and, and I remember having a conversation with my wife and we were like, do we really want to do this? And, and I just had to trust God. But if it was just me talking, I mean, I'm, I didn't want to go back to school. I'm telling you, if it was me in charge, I'd go the easy way. I'd go the convenient way. My wife, if she was being honest, she'd nod her head and say, big amen, big amen, (laughs) always trying to take the easy route, if it was my way. But I had to trust God in that process. And I walked through that door because that's the door that he wanted for me, and it was the best decision I could have made. And in time, I began to see the goodness of the Lord through that. And when, when, when you say that, God, you are in control, it's just this amazing place to live from. Anyone here can give me an amen if you know that living with God in control is a great place to live from. I mean, again, what's the alternative to, to, to you know, if, if, if the alternative to accepting that God is in control and he's orchestrating everything in my life, the alternative is that there is no purpose to the pain in your life. And we will all deal with pain. I know I don't get a lot of amens on that one, but the truth is we will all deal with with pain. And when we say God is in control, we actually say there's purpose attached to my pain. And when you say that I am in control, you walk through your life 
not knowing why you are going through hell and without any sort of hope that God is going to redeem the thing that you are going through because he's in control. And so even when I'm going through something difficult, because God is in control, I can rejoice in the middle of that difficult season because God is in control. I've learned it. You see, I've learned you got a choice to make here. Let me break it down. You've got a choice to make here. Either you give God control and accept that nothing in your life is coincidence and that he is orchestrating everything. And now you get to live with the hope that this world can't give you. I said, now you get to live with hope that this world can't give you. Because even on my worst day, I know that God is still in control. I know that even when things don't make sense, I know that God is still in control. The writer talks about this in his later epistles when he starts talking about death. And, and, and nobody escapes death unless you're Jesus. Nobody escapes death, all right? And, and, and the writer said this when talking about the subject of death. He said, but we don't mourn like those who mourn that don't have hope. You see, if God is not in control, then when you are done here on this earth you're done good night there's nothing left for you but we who have hope know that death is not the end of our story we're just crossing over into eternity we're gonna spend when when it is game over here it is game on up there and that's the hope that i choose to live with because god is in control you don't have to live with that hope that's if that's the phenomenal thing is that God does not impose himself on you and he never will. And if you choose to believe a philosophy, or if you choose to believe that when your life is over, it is over, then, then, then go ahead and live with that. But I choose to live with a greater sense of hope. And I can live with that hope because God is in control. But because God is in control, it does not mean that everything will go right. And it doesn't have to. I know that, that that's hard to swallow sometimes. But everything doesn't have to go right in order for me to know that God is in control. If everything has to go right in order for you to believe that God is in control, your hope now is in your situation and not in his plan. And so is your plan sovereign or is God sovereign? The sovereignty of God gives me a faith. I like how the writer said it in Psalm 27, 13. He said it this way. He said, I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. He, he, if, if he were to say this today, he, he would say, I would have lost my mind if I did not believe that at the end of it all, I would see the goodness of the Lord. Don't you want to live with that type of hope? I know that I want to live with that type of hope. I want to live with the type of hope that says that through everything that I go through, when it's all said and done, I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord. I'm going to see his hand at work. I'm going to see his plan moving. When all is said and done, I'm going to look back and say, God's been so good to me. And it gives me this lens that I that I get to live through. It is this verse goes deep down because I can actually look back over my life. I am 38 years old going on, 39 years old in just a couple of weeks. Help me, Jesus, one more year until I'm 40. And But as I look back over the last 38 years of my life, I can boldly say that had it not been for the Lord who was on my side, I don't know where I would be today. And some of you got to give God praise because that's your story too. 
You have to make a decision. I can back down every time I face a giant or I can see the goodness of the Lord. I can back down when my marriage is in the rocks or I can call out to God and believe that I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord. I can back down when cancer hits my family or I can say I will rejoice because I will see the goodness of the Lord. Clap your hands if you know that God is in control. When you say that God is in control, you get to separate yourself from your feelings. Some of you get too in your feelings. You're all in your feelings because things aren't going well. I, I don't get in my feelings because either he's in control or he's not. Does that mean I can't have moments? I can absolutely have moments. But do you want to know who I talk to when I have moments? I talk to him. I talk to him. I talk to the one who can actually do something about it. I mean, Facebook ain't going to fix it. You putting people on blast isn't going to fix it. You, put, you, you making all your feelings noticed to the whole wide world isn't going to fix it. But I'm going to go to the one who can fix it. I'm going to go to the one who's in control. Could you imagine living without thinking or believing that God was in control? Who do you go to when you have struggles? Who do you go to when you're the highest authority in your life and you can't get it right? So who's going to be in control? You or God? Because it can't be both. I said it can't be both. Science ain't going to fix your problems. According to evolution, you have finished evolving. So, I mean, it don't get any better. You're not going to evolve into a size 30 waist and a six-pack, all right? This is it. This is as good as it gets, all right? So you get what I'm saying? There's a lot of things you could believe. You can put your faith in all kinds of sort of things. But, 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 but do you see how ours leads us to a place of hope? Do you see how ours leads us to a place of joy? In the midst of my sorrow, because God is in control, I don't have to have a breakdown. I don't have to lose my mind because God's in control. Either he is in control or he is not in control. And I would much rather live with the belief that he is in control than to believe that it's my responsibility to handle everything. Listen, on my best day, I'm not good enough. On my best day, I can't do it. I need God to be in control because I get it wrong. I, I get in my feelings. I, I make mistakes. And so when God is in control, when the pain in your life or the circumstances that leave you with more questions than answers, again, you can fall into your feelings or you can get your feelings to fall into the one who's in control. There's nothing wrong with having feelings. You just got to ask yourself, am I going to submit to my feelings or going to make my feelings submit to God? Because I make my feelings submit to God. I, I get my, I, and, you know, it's just something that I've learned to do. I remember... Um, I remember back in corporate, you know, there was this guy, really nice guy. His name was Steve. And, 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 you know, when you're dealing with the government and they're your customer and everything is like, hurry up and wait. But when they need it, they needed it yesterday. It's like a crazy environment. That's why we give them the day off tomorrow, those government employees. They get their minds right. I'm just kidding. But when your customer's a government, it can be wild. And, and there's so many fire drills that come. And I remember, um, I remember... Steve coming to me and just telling me, Josh, we need to do this, this, and he's panicking. I was like, all right, cool, we'll get that done. And he looks, I mean, he was this Italian guy, so I think he felt very comfortable, dude. He got his hand, he went like this. You're always so calm. And I, I kind of want to hit him back, but he was like 50-something, and I'm, 
it's like 27. It didn't feel appropriate. But he's like, you're always so calm. And, and, and that has nothing to do with me but everything to just know that God is always in control. And, and, and you're like, really at work? Yes, even at work, God is in control. You don't, don't compartmentalize God to a Sunday. Don't compartmentalize God to only what you do in the evenings and on Sundays. Either he's going to be in control of everything or he's not going to be in control. And so I don't, make, I don't get in my feelings. My feelings submit to God. Submit those things to him. And, and Jeremiah, he's, he, he's, he's asked this, he's, he's told by God, go buy this piece of land. And I'm coming to a close now, and it, wild as it sounds, then his cousin comes in, and Jeremiah's like, mm, okay, it, all right, let's buy the land. So he goes ahead, and he buys the land, and Jeremiah moves forward with the purchase of the field, and it's recorded, signed, and sealed. Let me read to you. Let me read to you. It's not going to come up on the screens. Let me just read it to you. Um, I'm sorry. It may come up on the screens. I forget exactly what I sent them. But it says here in chapter 32, verse 15, for the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, someday people again own property here in this land, and will buy and sell houses and vineyards in this field. Here's what's happening. Israel is in their time in history, and the reason Jeremiah, Zedekiah uh, kept getting upset with Jeremiah is Jeremiah kept prophesying to the king. He said, King Zedekiah, listen, Babylon's coming, and they're going to take us captive. And King Zedekiah's like, I ain't trying to hear that. And Jeremiah's like, want to hear it or not, it's going to happen. And so Jeremiah's in prison for always prophesying, Babylon's coming, we're going to go into exile, king wasn't trying to hear it, put him in prison. And, and the reason God, the reason God had Jeremiah buy that field of land was to seal his word. It, it, was, it was sealing his promise that, yes, Israel will go into captivity. And sure enough, the king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, came, and they took all of Israel captive, and they were in exile for 70 years. Jeremiah saw that. Okay, Jeremiah saw that. He was saying, this is coming, this is coming, this is coming. And the reason God said, I want you to buy that field of land is because God then said, you're coming back. In, in a period of time, you're going to come back. Did Jeremiah know when it was going to happen? He didn't know. Daniel knew, but Jeremiah didn't know. That prophet wasn't privy to that information. And so God said, buy that parcel of land because you're going to go into exile, but you will come back. Last thing that I want you to write down. God is sovereign because he knows all things. God is sovereign because he knows all things. And if I were to fast forward through the scriptures, I would tell you that in 70 years, what happens, what happens in, in 70 years? They start coming back. All of Israel goes into captivity. They are in exile now, exactly like the word of the Lord said it would happen. And while they were in exile, God began to move and they began to have favor with the king at the time it was no longer it was no longer king nebuchadnezzar but they're starting to have favor with king cyrus and they begin to ask can we go back to our land we've, we've been in captivity for 70 years and sure enough just like god said what happened they began to come back home god knows all things he doesn't ask you to do crazy things because he's bored and just wants to mess around with your emotions. That's not it at all. Sometimes God will do you, ask you to do something that seems crazy because he knows how this story ends. He knows exactly how this thing is going to finish. And so he said, I want you to buy it. Seventy years later, they come back and this, this prophecy is fulfilled. And it's still the weirdest thing that God would ask him to do to, to buy that that to buy that piece of real estate. But, but how many know that oftentimes um, 
so much of God's blessing is tied to your obedience to him. I mean, he, he, he's not going to beat you into submission, but you also have a free will to submit to him. And I, I've, I've learned that it's better to just do it his way. I, I've learned that oftentimes that it's just better to come and from a place of obedience not not because, listen, I, I don't come to him out of a posture of obedience because I'm afraid of him. I come to him out of a posture of obedience because I know that he's in control. I mean, what else would I want to put my trust in? What, what else would I want to submit my obedience to? God is undefeated. I don't know if you know that, church, but God is undefeated. I mean, he has never lost a battle. He has never lost a fight that he should have won. God doesn't have a track record of losing. As a matter of fact, God has a track record of always winning. And oftentimes what we think is a defeat, you've got to live long enough to see that it was actually a victory. Sometimes God does. I don't know if you're a boxing fan, and I'm going to, for the millennials in the room, just like YouTube it when you get home. But but it, there was a fight between Muhammad Ali and George Foreman, and they called it the, the Rumble and the Jungle. And they fought in Africa. And for most of that fight, Muhammad Ali's back was against the ropes as George Foreman was pummeling him. And everyone thought that Muhammad Ali was a shot fighter and that he never win the fight but what he did was he hung on the ropes long enough for George Foreman to get himself tired and once he was tired he delivered the knockout punch they call it the the rope a dope acting like you're in trouble but you're really not sometimes that's how God works in his plan he takes a posture of just waiting and of patience and allowing the things to go through the process but listen God's never lost a battle God is undefeated no one has even beaten him when the devil thought that he finally got the better of him by putting him in a grave. God waited for three days. He allowed the devil to party. He allowed the devil to believe that he had won. But sometimes God can be a showman and show up when everyone says there's no way it could be done. And God showed up when everyone thought it was done just to flex on this world and say, I'm still in control. I'm still sovereign. Put me in a grave and I'll come out. Nail me to a cross and I'll live again. I'm not just going to come out of a grave, but I'm going to come out of a grave taking death, hell captive with me and I will be victorious. And so my faith is in him. Romans 11:33, last verse. Oh, what a wonderful God we have. How great are his riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his methods. I have stopped trying to figure out God. I've stopped. I'm not trying to figure him out. All I know is that he can be trusted. And because he can be trusted, I, I submit to him. He's the sovereign God of my life. I want you to lean in for just a moment. I want you to close your eyes. I'm done. We're going to pray now. Worship team's coming out right now. But as I was finishing these notes, I felt very clearly the Lord say, pray for peace. And so I'm going to pray right now. But I think there's some people that needed to hear this because there's so much going on in your life. And you're wondering, God, where are you? 
and you don't know that God is actually working on your behalf, you've got to trust him. You've got to know that he is sovereign. You have got to believe that he is working all things together for the good, for those that love him, those who are called by his name. He is working those things together. So right now, can you just bow your heads where you're at? We're just going to pray for peace. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, because you are, you are the high and mighty one seated on a throne in heaven but yet at the same time you are here with me and you are here in this room you're not a god who can't be reached you're not a god that can't be called on you're not a god that is, that is too busy to be concerned about what's happening in my life so father in this moment you are above all but you're also here Father, I just need your spirit to just begin to move in this room. There are people here that are living with anxiety. There are people here that are battling depression. There are people here who are battling a sickness. There's insecurity about tomorrow that they are facing. I, I just heard you saying peace. And so now, Father, I pray that peace fill this room. Let, let, let your peace come into this room. I don't have to worry because you are taking care of it i don't i don't have to be anxious because you're in control i don't have to question you because you know all things i don't have to fret i don't have to be dismayed i don't have to be angry i don't have to be upset i don't even have to understand it all i trust that you are above all i trust that you are sovereign i trust that you are greater and because you are greater let peace fall in this room come on let, raise your hands if you just if this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.